This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The thing we were looking for creatively was a human story. It was a story that, that you could strip away the Star Wars and, a, and it's a story that was relatable and shined a light on the human experience um, and had something to say. I have a vision for this week's episode of the Day of a Dispatch. And my vision involves visions specifically Star Wars colon visions. We've got a deep dive into season two of the animated series. We'll talk uh, overarching themes as well as give you a rough guide to our favorite uh, episodes. Plus, we spoke to the executive producers, James Waugh, Jackie Lopez, and Josh Rimes about the show, and you'll want to hear what they have to say. All that, and oh yeah, happy May the 4th be with you, everybody. Or happy Revenge of the Fifth, depending on when you're listening to this. I'm Dalton Ross, wishing a happy May the 4th be with you to my co-host, Devin Kogan. What's going on, Devin? Hello, Dalton. May the 4th be with you. Yeah, exactly. It's an exciting day always. Uh, We're actually, of course, to get this to everyone on May the 4th be with you. We're recording this a little early, so we may be missing out on certain announcements and surprises, which then we'll shake our fists at the air and wish we could have reacted to. But uh, always exciting time of year, especially um, because this is an important date for us in another uh, fashion, isn't it, Devin? It is. It's our anniversary. It's the one-year anniversary of Dagobah Dispatch. Uh, One year ago today, we launched this this little podcast uh, with our former co-host, Lauren Morgan. And I don't know about you, but this has been the highlight of my last year is just getting to talk about Star Wars every week with you. Super fun. I love doing it. It's super fun. I love geeking out. I love that we talk about the big stuff, like the you know the, doing our Mandalorian weekly deep dives or the big movies, and then we talk about like you know like Ewoks and toys and <laughs> stupid other stuff like that. We can go big, we can go small, and have fun either way. It's been it's been awesome, man. It's been it's been great, and we really appreciate everyone and who listens in every week or listens in just one week uh, if that's what it is. Um, it's great, and I, I hope that uh, next year on May the 4th that we're celebrating our second anniversary. Definitely. I think we will. I think we, we, we'll, we we'll be around for a while. I hope so. I hope you don't leave me like Lauren, like <laughs> Lauren Morgan. Please, I'm going to get a complex. Um, by the way, so we're going to talk a lot of Star Wars visions today. Uh, a few other things I want to get into quickly before we, we hit that. Uh, I, I guess I celebrated May the 4th be with you a little early. Because I went to go see the 40th anniversary re-release of Return of the Jedi in theaters. I I guess for someone that obsesses about Star Wars and reports about Star Wars and talks with you on a podcast every week about Star Wars, (laughs) somehow I just missed that this was going back in theaters. And like a a friend of mine, like I saw on their Instagram, like at the theater watching Return of the Jedi, I was like, where'd you go see this? He's like, "Uh, it's everywhere. And then like the next day, my son is like, Instagramming me like that he's at the thing. I'm like, why? Why, why am I not the? So, I'm gonna tell you something about myself. I've mentioned this before. I'm a guy, Devin, that loves to go to a movie by myself. Like, I don't need company to go to a movie. I'm happy to go to myself, and I also love going to movies at weird times. Especially, yes. I think I started this after I did my morning radio show. We'd be on at eight and get off at ten, and often I would go to like a ten. 30 screening at like Port Authority AMC Empire. And I loved it because like, you know, you have to jostle for seats and just whatever. So anyway, I I went to a uh, a 1030 screening on Sunday morning of Return of the Jedi at one of my local theaters. And I guess I didn't really think it through because I got to the theater and it was basically like all parents and little kids. Like you go Sunday morning <laughs> at 10.30. Yeah. So it was all parents and little kids. And then me 
basically feeling like I, I should have had a sign hanging around my neck saying, must stay 500 feet away from schools. <laughs> so I just like look like a total creep, like just sitting there by myself at Return of the Jedi. Uh, it was a little weird, but I still embraced the early morning screenings. I'm going to like literally like a 9 a.m. Guardians of the, the Galaxy 3 screening the next weekend. So uh, just doubling down at this point. Look, I love an early morning screening. I When I first started at DW, I worked um, Sunday through Thursday. I worked like the Sunday news shift because I covered a lot of box office. So on Friday, I had Friday to myself. Um, and I was living in Manhattan at the time. I had like no friends. I was living in a women's boarding house, which I don't know if I've told you this, but uh-huh. I was like Sylvia Plath living it's in a incredible. women's boarding house. Um, and uh, I would just no, go- no, gen- no gentleman callers allowed. I no gentleman callers allowed above the first floor. Um, you had to have a chaperone if a male visitor yep. came to visit you. It was the weirdest thing in the world. I, I miss it all the time. Um, but uh, on Fridays, I would go to morning movies. And I live right by the AMC 34th Street in Manhattan. Wow. And it was the best. And it's just, oh, I, I love it. Now I, I'm, you know, if, if half the time I, I go with friends or whatever, and they're like, I'll go to like a, you know, an 8 p.m. movie or whatever. And I'm like, no, it's, no. Uh, I'm all about the early morning. Yeah. But I, so seeing as you saw Return of the Jedi with a large group of children, yeah. We got to ask, how did the Ewoks play? Uh, they, they, they play to kids. We know they play to, they play to kids and they play to Lauren Morgan. Uh, that's, that's their target demo. That's their audience. And it's just like, I was talking with our former colleague, Dan Snearson, just last night about Jedi. He's like, God, oh, Jedi is such a weird one. It has like some of my favorite things ever. He's like, I love, he's like us. He's like, I love all the job of the Hutt stuff. He goes, the Emperor is so great in that movie. He's just like hamming it up, just like as this this amazing villain. Every line reading is like classic. He goes, I love it so much. And then he pauses, he goes, but the Ewoks. I'm like, I know, I know, I know. But listen, it was great to see it on the big screen. I hadn't seen it on the big screen since the special edition came out. Wow. In, you know, in the, the late 90s or whatever that was. And so it was fun to go go see it again, even though I did scare some of the parents in the, uh, in the theater. <laughs> it happens. Uh, any any chance to see a, a Star Wars film on the big screen? I'm basically going to take it. Um, there there is one May the Fourth Be With You event we can we can talk about. I mean, well, Visions came is coming out today as well. We're going to talk a lot about that. But I I, I, I don't know whether they, we knew this was happening or they just sent the email out that we saw uh, that um, out now on Disney Plus. Uh, there's a new Simpsons short, Maggie Simpson in Rogue Not Quite One, which is a new short. And in the short, Homer loses track of Maggie, who hops in Grogu's hovering pram for a hyperspace hopping adventure across the galaxy. Facing a squadron of Imperial TIE fighters, Maggie brings the battle to Springfield in this epic short celebrating all things stars. I was, Devin, I was such a Simpsons nerd in the 90s. I kept notebooks uh, with literally like time codes because I tape all the episodes on a VHS. Oh, every my episode. God. So I literally had the time codes on where I could find every single episode. <laughs> it's maybe the nerdiest thing I've ever done. And Says the man I, who hosts a Star Wars podcast. <laughs> <laughs> It is, and I still think like the first ten Simpsons of the Simpsons, the first ten seasons of the Simpsons is about as good as television gets. I mean, it really is. But I, I basically haven't watched the Simpsons in years. I really just haven't. It's, but I will watch this. I haven't watched it yet, but I will watch this. Uh, any, any level of interest? For yeah, you for this? I'll catch up on this. Um, I'm like you. I, I was a Simpsons fan um, for a long time and have, have, have kind of fallen off um, in, in recent years. But I know they've done a couple of these. I think there was one um, with Loki, uh, which I, yes. I never saw, but I, I've, I've been meaning to. Um, and I know there was another uh, Star Star Wars one. Um, yep. So I'm, I'm due to check these out. I've, you know, we love that uh, Fox Disney corporate synergy. Yeah. I um I do want to let everyone know that while Lauren uh, Morgan unfortunately is not on the podcast anymore, she's still listening. I know this because she texted us notes. <laughs> like we, we totally riled her up about Ahsoka, and she's just like, I think I I can't remember what it was. I think I imitated her sister saying Ahsoka is such a lame <laughs> character, and then Lauren texted me like in all caps, Ahsoka is not a lame character. I'm like, I know she's not a lame <laughs> character. I love us. I was your sister thinks she's. Why are you texting me like angry <laughs> that your sister doesn't like Ahsoka? 
Incredible. So Lauren, I know you're listening. We miss you. May the fourth be yes, with you. We we'll yes. we'll have you back again soon. Yes, and I, I know she's super duper bummed not to be here today because we're going to talk all about visions. And Lauren Morgan loves herself some Star Wars animation. Um, so let's let's do this. We're going to Devin spoke to the three executive producers, and we're going to play that interview for you a little bit later. Um, there's nine new shorts available in season two. Um, I'm going to let Devin sort of explain what Visions is. If you if you sort of haven't watched, then we're going to talk a little bit sort of about just the season as a whole. And then Devin is going to tell you, if you're like, ah, I don't know whether I should watch this or now, I'm a little on the fence. Devin's going to give you her three favorite episodes from season two. Now, I have one. I watched all the episodes. I have one episode that I really, really loved. Ooh. I'm going to wait to see if it's in Devin's top three. Devin has not shared her list. And we're going to see if the one that I thought was the best if it's in Devin's top three, if not, then I'll tell her she's wrong, and I will uh, I will reveal my my pick. But Devin, why don't you explain what Star Wars Visions is? It started with season one with one concept, and they've kind of expanded it into season two. Yeah, this, it's a really interesting concept. Um, it basically started on Disney Plus as a group of of small shorts, um, and season one was all about uh, Disney and Lucasfilm collaborating with um, some really impressive Japanese anime studios. Um, they teamed up with these studios to basically write and produce these like incredible shorts that are set within the star Wars galaxy. Now Lucasfilm has sort of said like, you know, these aren't necessarily Canon, but they're definitely set within the galaxy. Um, they sort of tell new stories, um, focus on new characters and basically bring a new style to the star Wars galaxy. Because as we know, like animation has always been a huge part of, um, of Star Wars storytelling. I mean, going all the way back to, you know, Boba Fett and the holiday special, and then obviously all the Clone Wars animation. And, and it's really been, um, Hey, 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 don't you skip over droids and Ewoks. Don't (laughs) forget droids and Ewoks. (laughs) But no, animation has always been a huge part of this kind of storytelling. Um, and so the idea of bringing in specifically Japanese anime, um, was, was really beautiful. And it was in season one resulted in some really cool stories. Um, I love how they brought in a lot of, um, very much kind of like samurai influences, which is something that obviously George Lucas has talked about over and over again as being a huge influence uh, for the original trilogy. So for season two, uh, they decided to come back. It's a it's a whole new group of new shorts, but instead of focusing just on one particular art style, um, they cast a wide net. Basically, these producers went out to some of the best animation studios around the world and basically said, do you want to tell a Star Wars story? Uh the sky's the limit, anything you want. It just has to be an animated short and something set within the Star Wars galaxy. And the resulting, you know, nine episodes are so cool. It's a really interesting mix. You've got studios from the UK and Ireland and France, um, Chile, Spain, like India, literally all over the world. And it, and it results in a really interesting, you know, really visually diverse, gorgeous group of storytelling that's, that's in some ways, you know, I would argue more uh, experimental and and more kind of boundary pushing than anything we've seen on the big screen in years. Um, so it's a really fun, interesting list of of studios and and um, and projects. And so, as Dalton said, he asked me to pick three, um, which was actually kind of hard. I didn't think I'd, I would have that much difficulty narrowing it down, but they're all really fun and and all like they're they're all pretty short. They all clock in around fifteen minutes or so, yeah. um, so you can watch them pretty easily. But before we get before we get to your list, I just want to like talk overall about the season. One thing that yeah. I noticed before we get into the individual things. Because there's one thing that I found very striking about season two. There's nine shorts, right? In all nine shorts, the main protagonist was female. Every single one. And of those nine, I think like eight of them were little girls. And of those eight, I'd say six or seven of them were force-wielding little girls. So I was thinking about this, and like on so on one hand. I, I really like that because it must be driving misogynists absolutely bonkers and crazy. And they're just <laughs> review bombing <laughs> over everywhere and they must be losing their minds. But but I also did say, think of myself like to have almost all these stories be little girls and usually force wielding ones. While individually, I really did like the 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 installments. I, w- I would have definitely liked a little more diversity, like maybe throw an old dude in there or even a middle-aged female protagonist. Just like, you know what I mean? Like when you watch them all back to back, which you and I kind of did, like I did over like, I think two or three days, 
Like, it's like, all right, here's going to be a, yet another little girl who's got some force powers and what do I do with them? And like, that was pretty much all of them. And I, then I started wondering, like, was this, no pun intended, a mandate? Or, or like, you know what I mean? Like, was it, was this like, was they given directions? Like, or did literally all nine studios happen to focus on women? And like I said, eight of them little girls and like set, six or seven of those little girls force-wielding little girls. Well, I think, you know, I spoke to the producers and you can hear my conversation with them later. Um, and they talked about, and I said, you know, do you come to these studios and say, hey, here's a story we want to tell? And they said, no. You know, basically they say, hey, we're looking for a Star Wars story. And the studio comes to them and says, hey, we've got an idea. They said, in some cases, the studio narrows it down and they say, we've got one idea that we're really excited about. Um, and this is the one we want to do. And in other other cases, the studio comes to them and says, hey, we've got like three or four ideas. We're going to pitch you all of them. Um, and, you know, if you want to help us narrow it down and, and pick which one you want to tell. Um, we didn't talk so much about the gender balance, but one thing we did talk about was it's it's a lot of family stories. Um, that's, a, yes. that's a huge, huge theme also in this season. You've got lots of, you know, mothers and daughters, brothers and sisters, um, some found family elements. It's, it's a lot of family stories, uh, which feels very Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars is literally a family soap opera about the Skywalkers just messing up and being ridiculous around the galaxy. Um, so that, but I thought that was a really interesting idea. It's a lot of these like familial relationships and it is a lot of force users too. Um, I think one of the thing, the things the producers talked about was how the force lends itself very well to, you know, kind of visual ideas and, and without getting into spoilers, there's one short this season that talks about the force as like, um, through visual art and painting, basically. And there's another one that talks about the force as sort of like how you think of music and, and, and sort of portraying it that way. Um, so it was just a really interesting idea to see kind of all of those force wielding things brought to life. And I mean, yeah, it's a, maybe it's a little, you know, uh, some of the characters kind of blend together a little bit when you, especially when you've only got 15 minutes to flesh them out. Um, but I liked that the sh each short sort of told a different story and had sort of a different approach to what it's like to be a force user, as opposed to sort of like telling the same old, same old, you know, kind of Jedi stories we've seen before. Yeah. I think, again, this is sort of unavoidable somewhat because it is so Star Wars and that's what you want. But like, then what happens is you have a lot of these that sort of end with, you know, again, young, young force using girls having to like leave their friends and family, right? Yeah. For whatever reason, they have to make that big choice and they look back at the friends and family. Should I go? Should I stay? It's a powerful moment, but the only problem is when you've watched it like five times, it's like, all right, well, like, <laughs> I got that 15 minutes ago in a, in a different story. Um, but they're making these all independently. You know what I mean? So they don't, they don't know what's happening. I also did notice the other thing I noticed. And again, I think I'm definitely alone on an island on this. And maybe that's just my love of Survivor that makes me love to be on islands. <laughs> so this is not a criticism, but it is one thing I noticed. And I just, just me personally, um, eight of the nine stories have essentially happy endings. There's one that kind of ending makes you go like, huh, that that's not necessarily a happy ending. And I actually, I, I, I didn't, that was one of my probably until that moment, one of my least favorite of the nine but then they sort of gave me an ending that was surprising and not just like, and, and again, Star Wars tends to deal with in happy endings, but like, I guess just, I like an occasional Empire Strikes Back or Revenge of the Sith. You know what I mean? Just an occasional thing where it's not like all wrapped up in a neat bow and everything works out. And, and I think only one of the nine really did that, Devin. Yeah. I mean, I think this is a series that is, you know, um, it is kid friendly um you know it's it deals with some some heavy stuff but it's it's not necessarily you know um it it is you know definitely kid friendly so i think that's why you see a lot of younger protagonists you see a lot of children um you know you see a lot of happy endings um but yeah i think but also you know i don't know i th i think it's a it's a nice mix i i can see how i wish I had maybe spread them out a little bit and sort of like enjoyed like, I'll watch like two. And then on the next day I'll watch like two. I think you're right. Maybe watching them back to back to back and binging them um, sort of maybe like dulls their impact a little bit. Um, but I like, I think visually they're all so different. 100%. And yeah. So gorgeous to look at that. That's the thing that I, I really, really impressed me about these is like some of the, the visual storytelling to me is just extraordinary. Totally agree. Like, and, and I'm not an animation nerd. I'm not an anime guy. Um, 
but it they do look and that that you get total diversity in terms of the style that's brought to the front in all of these. You've got hand drawn uh, 2D animation. You've got sort of stop motion. You've got some some really beautiful 3D animation. It's 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 really interesting, and that's the thing that I I really enjoyed most about the series. And, and I won't mention who it is in case it might be one of your three and your top three. But there is, uh, Devin mentioned, these are new stories and new characters. There is one character uh, that makes an appearance here uh, in one of these in one of these shorts, uh, an old school OG original trilogy character that plays part in one of them. And we'll we'll see if it's in Devin's top three or not. Uh, so, Devin, why don't you hit us up? Give us your list. And I'm just going to sit here with my fingers crossed that the one that I absolutely adored and love, love, love so much makes your top three. Ooh, interesting. Okay, so um, we're, we'll start with three, and then we'll move to one. Okay. So for number three, this is one that I a studio I didn't know much about. I didn't know much about the plot. Didn't know anything about it, but I really wound up falling in love with it. Um, which is the Spy Dancer, uh, which is the one from France. It's by Studio La Cachette, um, and it's this beautiful kind of like almost World War II like French Resistance kind of story uh, where you've got this. Uh, this dancer who basically performs and she's got a young daughter and, and she's sort of this traveling circus troupe of, of performers um, where, you know, Imperials come and they, they watch this performance and she dances and does these incredible acrobatic, um, you know, feats of athleticism. Um, and it ultimately turns out that she's a spy for the rebellion and is trying to get information on all of the dumb stormtroopers who come to her show um, until one day she realizes that uh, one of the people in her audience um, she might have a unexpected connection to might be somebody from her past. Um, and this is one that I thought was really, really fun. Um, I mean, you know, I love like a spy story. I love any mm-hmm. kind of, you know, I'm a sucker for a heist, anything kind of in that vein. And I thought this was a really fun, really simple, really beautiful example of that. Um, I love the idea of this like sort of like group of, you know, circus acrobats basically sort of use putting on this show to try to pull one over on the, on the empire. And I loved the sort of, it has kind of a, almost ballet-like quality to like the dancing and the motion and like the moving of the fabric. And I just, I was very charmed by this one. And this is one that I like knew nothing about going in. I did, wasn't familiar with the studio at all, but it's a beautiful hand-drawn 2D animation that I thought lent itself really well to this particular um, story. What did you think about this one? I really liked it. I really liked this. This, In fact, just strictly story-wise, it might have been my favorite. It's interesting that it's a French animes, uh, animation studio because it definitely feels very, this sort of place, that it feels very like Moulin Rouge meets Cirque du Soleil. Yes. Right? So obviously Moulin Rouge, France, Cirque du Soleil started in French uh, uh, Canada there in a Quebec. Uh, so I, I felt very like I I love the story. I like the setting, uh, the look of it. So it wasn't my absolute favorite, but like it probably would have been in my if I were making a top three, it probably would have been in my top three as well. And it develops. It wasn't one that bowled me over immediately. But as the story develops, you become more invested in the story as it goes. It's hard to do in you know fifteen minutes, right? Like and and. Julian Chang, uh, I believe is the name of the writer director, certainly did it here. Yeah, I just, this is the kind of interesting story that's not focused on Jedi. It's not focused on Sith. It's not focused on anything, but I thought it, it just did a lovely job of expanding the Star Wars universe and, and sort of telling a story that you could absolutely see happening in, in the kind yeah. of Star Wars universe that, that we've been following over the last couple of years. So I don't know. This was one that came as a total surprise to me and I was very charmed by it. And you know what else I felt? This is one where you actually really would love to see a continuation of. Again, we're yes. not going to spoil what happens in it, but when at the end of the story, you're like, oh, I want more. Like most of these like tie up with a nice bow and and you sort of like, you're content, you've watched it and you're ready to move on. But like, this is one where like, oh, I want to know how this actually plays out after the episode stops, which is a great, which is a great to say. Always leave them wanting more, Devin. Absolutely, absolutely, and this is something that's interesting because all of these these vision shorts are, are considered not canon within the main kind of Star Wars timeline. Um, but I especially we'll get into it. There's there's some um, impressive voice talent. You know, some some of the characters have you know certainly from the first season have become kind of popular. And there's been some questions like, well, might we ever see some crossover? I mean, they can bring Thrawn into into live action. Yeah. They can do anything. Um, so I always wonder with stuff like this, whether it's sort of just like a one-off and we'll never hear from these people again, or whether, you know, some of these, these characters might make a return to the, the wider galaxy down the line. 
All right. Well, good good pick at number three. I support it. The Spy Dancers, Devin's third favorite short from the new Star Wars Vision season two. What do you got clocking in at number two? So for number two, um, there were a couple that I was thinking about for this spot, but ultimately I decided on Screecher's Reach, uh, which is the one uh, by Cartoon Saloon, which is um, an incredible uh, Irish uh, animation studio. They're responsible for um, Wolf Walkers, which um, was a big Oscar contender a couple years ago. It's it's a very beautiful kind of hand-drawn um 2D animation style. And this one's kind of fun because it's kind of a ghost story set in the Star Wars galaxy. It's it's about a group of young children who sort of – it's kind of a banshee story, which is very, very Irish. And, and that was something that the producers talked about a lot um, as they were working with these studios is that they never really had like a mandate like – we want you to tell something that feels like very true to your culture. But all of the studios kind of wound up delivering something that felt very true to sort of their identity. You know, there's one from the UK, which has a very like kind of dry British sense of humor. Um, the spy dancer has this, like we, like we talked about, it has a lot of French influences. Um, and this one feels very much like a Banshee story and about, you know, investigating this, this mysterious, mysterious place. What did, what did you make of this one, Dalton? So this is the one that I, really wasn't that into while I was watching it. And like, I mean, the tit- it's in the title, but there's a loud screeching ghost essentially <laughs> yes. that like is very abrasive sounding, like really like you're hitting the volume down button and it screeches like a lot. So, uh, and, and the animation style just to me, just not, wasn't my favorite, but I really liked the ending a lot. Like this is the one where I really liked the ending. I really liked, it went a cut against the grain of what all these other sh- ones are doing. Uh, I always love it a little Angelica Houston, uh, who does one of the voices here. Yep. Um, and so I, while I was watching it, I was just like, meh. When it was done, I was like, huh. So there you go. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my review. It, I definitely, this one had me thinking maybe the most out of all of them that I watched. It wouldn't have made my top three because, um, again, while I was watching it, I wasn't that into it, but I really loved the ending and um, I really appreciated that it, it uh, went, uh, it zigged when all the others were zagging. It has a kind of sense of melancholy that I really kind of liked to this one. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I liked how it was different from, from all the other ones that we saw. And I, I, I loved the animation. I thought it was really interesting and bizarre and, and fun to look at. So it's, it's a fun one. All right. So Devin's revealed her third favorite and her second favorite. She has not hit on the one that I loved, loved, loved so much. She only got one more chance. I have a feeling she's not going to. I have my guess as to what she's going to, what she, what is her favorite one? And it's probably not mine, but let's find out. Let's ruin the suspense, at least my suspense. <laughs> and let's find out what Devin's favorite installment of Star Wars Visions 2 was. What was This it? is the one that was made by the studio that I had the most familiarity with going into this. This is um, what I thought it was going to be. Yep. <laughs> I, well, I think, I think, go ahead. I will. Um, so I, for my number one, I picked, I am your mother, uh, which is uh, the short yep. by the studio yep. Ardman, uh, who is known for their incredible stop motion animation. I growing up, I was a huge Wallace and Gromit fan. Sure. Um, which how could you not be? I mean, I had all of the all of them on uh, VHS and would just watch them until they they fell apart. Um, and so, obviously, did I they was, do Chicken Run also? Was that them? Yeah, and okay, uh, yeah. Shaun the Sheep, and like yep, lots yeah, of yeah, yeah. lots of that kind of very British sense of sense of animation. Um, and so, it's a really fun stop motion story. Um, it's set. Uh, it basically again follows a young girl um, as she's there's like a race at her pilot academy and she um is very embarrassed by her embarrassing mother um and winds up you know competing in the race with her mother and it's it's like a mother-daughter story um and they fight against this like her rival at school who's super snooty and has a snooty mom and it's it's very funny it's certainly i think it was the funniest of the the, certainly the goofiest of, of all of the visions episodes this season. Um, but I was just really charmed by it. I thought it was i love a mother-daughter story i'm a sucker for a mother-daughter story we don't get a lot of mother-daughter pairings in Star Wars. That's something that we get a lot of fathers and daughters and fathers and sons and brothers and sisters and things like that. But there aren't a lot of mom and daughter stories. And so I really enjoyed that. Um, 
And as you alluded to earlier, it's got a very fun voice cameo. Um, it's got the sort of the, the person overseeing this race, um, is our boy Wedge Antilles, uh, voiced by, by Dennis Lawson, the legend. Um, so that's a, that's like a fun Easter egg. And I love that he's not like the, you know, center point of this short, but it's like a very fun, like he's kind of a celebrity in, in this, this universe. And he's like, ah, oh, yes, me, the great rebellion pilot, Wedge Antilles has come to oversee, oversee this race. So, um, so where did this one rank on your list? I, I figured this would be your number one. I really liked it as well. It's, you're definitely right. It's the most comedic by far. It's it's basic. It's not a pod race, but it's basically like a pod race. Yeah. Like that's that's sort of the feel it goes for in a very comedic way. Daisy Haggard, who's so great, does one of the voices, um, and I love that Dennis Lawson does Wedge. And like you're right, like Wedge, he's basically like a more of like a self promoting buffoon, kind of like you know, like he's almost like a game show host yeah. type of character. <laughs> And, uh, but it's fun. It's, 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 it's a, it's a really, it's a really fun episode. It's just very simple, like no huge deep themes here to get into just like, it's short. I think it's like, it's less than 11 minutes long. Like when you don't even include the credits. So it was, it was the shortest episode by far, but like, there's no reason for it to be longer. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it was very fun. I I, I did like it. I, I knew it would be on your list and it probably would be in my top three as well. I was um, very charmed by it. Okay, so which one I'm, did I miss? What's what's yeah, the top of your list? Yeah, I'm very disappointed in you, Devin. I'm very oh, upset no. <laughs> that you didn't like. There, there's. Uh, I liked them all, um, but uh, there's one that I really loved, and it was the Bandits of Golak, which was uh, the Indian one, and uh, it basically uh, it once again, little girl uh, may or may not have force powers, uh, sitting here with her brother, and it's like. It just really, I, I thought it looked gorgeous. Uh, it, it basically has a lot of action in it. Starts with almost like a, a there's like a, a train situation, a train robbery. There's a big battle outside a temple. Uh, really crisp animation. Uh, a great story, I thought. And as I watched it, uh, it's it very uh, like, you know, Indian culture infused into all the elements, to all the characters and everything. It's basically like, you know, trying to do a film in, in, taking India into the Star Wars realm. And it was, I was watching Devin, I thought like, man, I would love to see a live action version of this. Oh, uh, yeah. there, a villain shows up and I thought the villain was super charismatic. Um, a surprising hero shows up um, that I thought was super cool. Um, maybe Shades of Yoda in a weird way. Um, but I, not an alien though. And, and but I just, I really loved it. I, lo- I, I th- thought that the pace was great. I thought the characters I want to know more about. I love the animation style. I just, I fell in love with uh, this. It was probably, you know, 15 minutes long, but I thought it told a really great complete story. And I just, I wanted to see it all again in live action. Yeah. This one was also near the top of my list too. Um, it's, it's, it's just incredibly charming. I love the animation style is beautiful. It immediately, it drops you sort of like onto this train and every character on the train immediately feels so lived in and real. And, and it's just, it's, it's a really, it's a really fun one. All right. So there you have it. So Devin's top now you, it's, you guys are going to vote. <laughs> Devin's top one was I am your mother. Mine was the bandits of Golok. So you guys need to like start with those two because you can watch these in any order. There's, it's not serialized. You can watch watch those two and then let us know who was right, which one was better. And I know you're all going to say Devin because <laughs> it is hard to resist that sort of Wallace and Gromit style. It's fun. It's funny. It's It's got wedge in it. Like I can't win. This is a battle I cannot win. I should know my destiny and know my fate. And it's not gonna. It's not gonna end well. But I'm sticking to my gut. But that's the fun thing about this whole season is like each one is so unique, and there's really something for everyone. And I don't know. This is the kind of stuff that I would love to see Star Wars do more of. Whether it's you know like they branch out into live action shorts or they do these sort of like more experimental things where you know inviting other storytellers in to sort of get to play in this big wide sandbox of of the galaxy far away and i this is the kind of thing that i think like disney plus is great for you know this this kind of experimental specials and and shorts and 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 fun things like this um so i i hope that we get a vision season three and i hope we we get to see more of this fun you know bringing in new storytellers to to get to play in the galaxy Speaking of animation and Disney Plus, it could be fun if they did like essentially their version of What If, 
Yes. You know, like alternate realities sort of, you know, situations in terms of things we've seen in Star Wars. And what if, you know, what if Luke had stayed and completed his training on Dagobah? Or like, you know, what if this or what if that? That would be super fun. Yeah, I love that idea. And you could do, you know, what if Leia became, you know, the Jedi and, and Luke was the, you know, rebel leader and, and you could have so much fun with it. Um, but this is a kind of like really boundary pushing fun storytelling set within the Star Wars universe that I hope they continue continue to embrace. What if Luke and Leia had hooked up before realizing they were siblings? <laughs> so I've got that on my mind since I watched Return of the Return Jedi of the again. Jedi. I you love it. One of my you favorite moments in Return of the Jedi is that look at um, when uh, when Leia's like, no, he's my brother. And the look on Harrison Ford's face as he goes through like the eight stages of grief. <laughs> and he's just like, what? <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah, they say you, you notice something new every time you watch a movie. And you know, you and I probably both watched Jedi a bazillion times. But I, I can honestly say, till I watched it on the big screen again, I, I don't think I ever really thought about how Darth Vader's final words when he tells Luke to take the mask off, just how self-serving they are. It's basically his final words like, tell your sister you were right. I'm not, a, I'm not an a-hole. Again, just in case that didn't sink in, tell her you were right. Like, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm an all right dude. You tell her. You make sure you tell her. <laughs> That you were right. Like, I've got good in me. You know? Oh. Right. Like, oh, could he, like, talk about, I don't know, betraying Obi-Wan or, like, you know, yes. his regrets or whatever. And now he's no. like, no. I mean, Tell but also, you were right. that's very Anakin. That's very self-serving for him to just be like, actually, I'm kind of the best. <laughs> yes. And, yeah. And by the way, when I come back as a force ghost, I better be young, handsome me. Okay. <laughs> Right. I'm not going to be all my limbs <laughs> I know. <laughs> and my long flowing locks, my hair. I don't want that Padawan tail. I don't want any of that. I love the idea of Force Ghost Anakin coming back and um, Luke being like, wait, who is this guy? <laughs> I know, totally. He would have no clue. He would have no clue who that guy was. Right. Like the only time I've seen my dad without his mask, he was like a like a bloated, you know, bald man who's like, yeah. who's like all gray and, and gross. And meanwhile, like you've got young, hot and Hayden Christensen, you know, looking charming. You're like, who is this guy? <laughs> they should just start messing with us as fans. And like next time, like just one day on Disney plus, they should change it. So it's like young Obi-Wan, you know, like just put you, <laughs> you and McGregor in there. And then maybe put just like Yaddle in there sure. too instead. Like, yeah. why not? You know? Just, yeah. Just have sure. squeeze everybody in there. We love a force oh. ghost. <laughs> Well, bets are off. All right. This is enough of us being uh, absurd. All right. Um, you've heard uh, enough of us talking about visions. So why not hear from the people who actually produced the damn show? Devin sat down and chatted with Star Wars Visions executive producers, James Waugh, Jackie Lopez, and Josh Rimes, the three J's. And that conversation's coming up right after this quick break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to chat with me. I'm so excited to talk to you about Visions. Yeah, it's good to meet you. Thank you. I'm, I got to watch um, all of the episodes, and I'm so excited to pick your brain about it. Um, I wanted to talk, start by talking a little bit about the season overall. You know, obviously, you know, season one was all about working with Japanese anime studios, but season two, you really expand your reach to all around the world. Tell me a little bit about why it was important to you to kind of get to go global and, and get to work with all these amazing studios. Um, well, really, there's a couple reasons. First off, I, I think it's worth saying that we are massive animation fans, period. We devour tons of animated content. We love these studios, uh, you know, as much as fortunate enough, so many of them love the work that we do. Um, and I really do believe some of the best filmmaking, period, is is done in animation at the moment. Um, so there's that. And these things usually come from passion at Lucasfilm, uh, in truth. But with, with volume one, the other 
we loved anime. We thought that would work. We felt that that there was a similarity in values between like caring about smartly crafted world building, um, you know, deeply personal stories with anime. Uh, so we thought there would be a resonance there. But the thing that was really interesting about that process was that we found that so many of these creators had different perspectives of elements of Star Wars than we did. So many of them had different historical analogs and reference points or just cultural context that allowed them to tell unique stories that would never, it could come elsewhere, but we got to see a very unique take that the cultural come from of each of them really determined. And I think we were all excited about those two things. Like, wow, this is such a global community of animation now that is doing incredible work, not just pushing different forms of animation, different styles, but different kinds of storytelling combined with how amazing would it be to see Star Wars through the lens of these different cultures, to, to take what we learned on, on volume one and see a Chilean perspective with all the history that, that um, you know, comes with that, to see the myths of Ireland interpreted that way, the very dry, fun British humor of Ardman to really open the door to those types of experiences and then see, see how Star Wars would look in that, uh, through that. And, um, that was really exciting to us. So, you know, I think when we pitched it, everybody was really excited by that evolution. There was always the, well, anime works, but anime is great. You know, people love that. And, and so do we. So we definitely want to see more Star Wars anime. Um, but again, there's just such incredible storytelling happening in this medium around the world that we wanted to showcase that. So what's the pitching process like with some of these studios? Do they come to you with an idea? Did you approach them? Kind of how, how does that work? Why don't you guys? We, we, um, we approached them. Um, so that was the first process is trying to figure out, you know, we knew we could have nine. And so trying to figure out who we approach and trying to make sure it, it represented as much of a global um, perspective as possible. And then we asked them, you know, would they be interested? Do they have a Star Wars story to tell? And so they then came back to us with their stories. And some studios had one story that they felt like they had to tell this was it. And then other studios had different filmmakers pitch. So maybe had, you know, anywhere from two to six pitches for us. Um, so. We curated it from there and tried to make sure as much as we could, because some stories we were so, you know, complete, we didn't want to change their vision, but tried to curate amongst, you know, the nine of, of the types of stories. And it was also important for us to get different styles of animation to make sure we had some 2D and some 3D and stop motion. Um, so... That was the process. That's so cool. And yeah, I love that was one of the things I really love about this season is how, you know, you play with all the amazing different work that's being done in animation right now. Like you said, the very beautiful hand-drawn, you know, 2D to the gorgeous 3D stuff or, or you know, the stop motion. What was fun for you guys as storytellers getting to play with so many different formats? Oh, a lot. I mean, you know, we were hoping that we'd get to see different formats going in on, on this global expression. But then, you know, when talking to the studios, I think like Punk Robot, for example, we we loved Bear Story, their Oscar winning short. And, and you know, that was a CGI animated piece, but also had, you know, amazing sort of wind up toy feel to it uh, that almost felt stop motion. And so when they brought sort of a tactile stop motion feel to their short in the stars about these two sisters, it, it somehow made it more emotional. Um, and, and I think that is the key. Um, you look at Triggerfish also, which doesn't feel traditional stop motion, but it is, it, it's, it's a CGI piece, but it's very tactile that felt like colorful, felt like creatures. So I think it's because the storytelling and, and the characters and their journeys sort of dovetail with the style. I, I think that elevates it even more in, and just makes it more emotional. So the fact that we were getting all these, again, these textures, these feels, uh, around the world. And, and then of course, like hand drawn animation from Studio Mirror and, uh, and, 
and La Cachette in France. So we were, we were super lucky, I think, uh, to just yeah. be in the hands of great artists, sort of putting their, their storytelling prowess and their craftsmanship to, to, to great work. The, yeah. the one thing I would say is the commonality between them all, though, and you were looking for when Jackie talks about how some creators brought in six different pitches. The thing we were looking for creatively was a human story. It was a story that, that you could strip away the Star Wars and, a, and it's a story that was relatable and shined a light on the human experience um, and had something to say. You know, I think that's where Star Wars really functions at its best is when it's telling mythic resonant stories, the style, the bombast, everything kind of could come after when we knew a filmmaker had a voice and had something to say, then we knew we were, we were in the right place. You know, we were in the right place to start developing it out. Um, and then it was just, like Josh said, like what a treat to just see those different processes, see those different books come together. Yeah, you talked about like some of those themes and like the human, you know, uh, the the real human element. And I feel like a lot of the the stories this season, it's it's very anchored in family. You've got a lot of brothers and sisters. You've got you know mothers and daughters. You know, you've got some found family elements. Yeah. Was that was that a was that a theme you guys were talking about as you were kind of assembling this yeah. season? I mean, it, it, there's nothing that we led forward saying these are the type of themes that. Um, you know, we want to hear from you. What's interesting was we wanted to see what Star Wars meant to all of them. And then, then, and even though so many of them wanted to interpret Star Wars in new ways, those core elements that mean just as much to, you know, the other work that we do across the board hold true. There's something about those found, that found family idea, choosing your higher calling, choosing selflessness over being selfish. All these things are so inherent in Star Wars that they got it. They, the stories that Kind of resonated for were those Star Wars themes, you know, but we never directed them towards that. We helped them refine. You know what I love too is just the different ways the Force was represented. Very, and that some of it were was very personal to the artist, to the filmmaker. Like for Rodrigo Blas from Spain, it was art expression, you know the ability to express yourself and create art and create your own path, which is very personal to him, as well as on the trigger fish with Nadia, who is a singer and her song, her, her ability to sing is her sort of self-expression that frees her from, you know, from her, you know, whatever that thing is. So that's that's another beautiful thing with with taking these really personal stories from different countries that you know have, it all builds you know your life experience comes from your environment yeah i loved what you guys said about you know really f- you know hearing from all these amazing artists and and finding like the cultural specificity is sort of like what is you know finding different ways to bring that into the star wars galaxy i know that was a big part of season 1 i know you guys talked about you know how George Lucas was inspired by so much by samurai storytelling and bringing that in. Um, was there any, can you give me an example? Was there like a specific like cultural detail um, on this season that, that you really loved or, or something somebody brought to you that you had a lot of fun bringing into the star Wars galaxy. And it's a Galak. And it's, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the, just that, that film is so alive and it, you feel the Indian culture and the heritage exuding through all the different bright lights and the from the final battle with the Sith that feels like you know the Sith could have stepped out of um you know one of the mythic plays or uh, a Bollywood film in a way you know um they wanted that from the start though I mean the original pitch Josh he probably was about Gavas these cool truck stops that are full of lights and color and the food and the food don't forget the the food which is part of it each part of it yeah I just remember reading their script and then seeing their designs and thinking, this is too ambitious. They're not going to be able to finish this on this budget or schedule. But it's like, we have to have this music and we have to have all these colors and we have to have the food. And if it's not crowded, it won't feel like India. You know, it's they were just so excited to have an expression of their culture in the Star Wars galaxy. It was incredibly a joyful experience. They're also amazing. I mean, Cartoon Saloon is another one with, yeah, we knew. I mean, their movies are so steeped in Celtic and Irish myth and history, and 
uh, you know, when they wanted to do a Banshee story and they were, you know, inspired by their own sort of Celtic myth, but also sort of the idea of, of a Jedi and, and like Luke Skywalker entering a cave and facing his fears. Um, mm. That was, that really resonated with us immediately. Yeah, but they all have a bit of that. I mean, Locke's Shed is really inspired by the French Revolution and the cabaret dancers, Mata Hari, like, you know, uh, singers who also kind of lived a double life to help the greater good. Um, you only kind of get that intrinsically in the same way from a culture or from a studio based in Paris. That's so cool. I, yeah, I really love that one. I love the, 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 you know, the way of using dance as, you know, like almost as, yeah. as fighting and martial art, but it's so beautiful. Like it was it, it, visually, it looked amazing. Yeah. 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 They're, they're great. They're incredible artists. <laughs> That's so cool. And you guys have also, you know, assembled a pretty incredible voice cast from, from all over the world. Um, you know, for uh, there, there's a lot of names people might know. You've got David Diggs, you've got Angelica Houston, Cynthia Revo, obviously Dennis Lawson. You know, back as as Wedge Antilles. <laughs> Tell me about you know kind of bringing some of these you know incredible voices you know into the galaxy or even back into the galaxy. But I think uh, I, I think our goal was first and foremost sort of talking to the filmmakers about their wish list and uh, and of course like you know, being authentically sort of part of the flavor of their Star Wars visions and and where it came from. So like Rodrigo Blas, for example, cast Ursula uh, Corbero from uh, uh, Money Heist and Luis Tussar, uh Camille Cotton and in, uh, in, um, in Spy Dancer. So so really looking to, to sort of local talent or, or talent that, um, you know, that have roots in these places was super important. So um, that was a lot of the fun and, and just sort of having these discussions and, you know, um, our casting uh, director, Lindsay Halper helped so much, you know, help, help our te- these teams put together their cast. So it was, it was really a team effort, but again, it was, it was really came from the creators. Like who, who are your dream? Who's your dream cast? How do we, how do we cast authentically to, to these shorts? That sounds like it was kind of the process on this whole thing. It was like, okay, what's your dream Star Wars story? Who's your dream, you know, cast member? Uh, that that's got to be such a fun world to play in creatively. It was, and it was also it was also just an amazing sense of discovery too, where they would bring us actors that we didn't know yeah. as well. Yeah. So um, it, it was it was fantastic all around. Well, thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day to talk with me. The season is so cool. I can't wait for people to see it. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks to James Waugh, Jackie Lopez, and Josh Rhymes for being with us this week. And thank you for being with us as well. We do have one eensy-weensy favor to ask. If you could take just 30 seconds to please follow, rate, and review the podcast, we would be super appreciative. You can also connect with us on social media by following Entertainment Weekly on all socials. It's at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag and follow us directly using at Dalton Ross and at Devin Kogan. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll do it all over again next week. This episode of Dagobah Dispatch Podcast is hosted and produced by Dalton Ross and Devin Kogan. Produced and edited by Sammy Junio. Executive produced by Chanel Johnson. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening and may the force be with you.